Family, let's just open up in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity that we have and that I have of preaching your word to your children. Lord, this is your word and not mine, Father. I know where I was nothing apart from you. I am nothing apart from you. But with you, there is nothing I cannot do. So, Lord, I trust in you now that you will speak to your children your words of life and spirit that will cut through any barrier, that will pierce into every heart, that will bring faith, that will change the lives of your people today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father, I bind anything that will try to hinder your move in any way, shape, or form in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, Jesus said to the people, Amen. Jesus said to the people, He said, those who have ears, listen. Now, how many of you know that they had ears? There wasn't a whole bunch of people that never had ears, like an earless colony of people. Amen. He was talking to normal people. So today, if you that have ears, listen. So say this after me. So I declare that my spiritual ears are open, that my heart is receptive to receive. Only that which you, Holy Spirit, are saying today. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. Say this. Say, Spirit of the living God, speak to me. I am listening. So we're in part two of strongholds. We've been discussing uh, strongholds, mental strongholds. If you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to do that. Part two, we will do a re-recording for that, which was very powerful. But just a quick recap. The devil uses psychological warfare on us. He knows and understands that if he can influence our minds and exert control in our minds, he can influence and control all our faculties. He is able to influence our emotions, our feelings, our thought perceptions, our beliefs. And so the greatest attack that the enemy will wage on all of us is firstly in our mind because everything starts up here starts with a thought and unless we learn and understand that this is in fact an assault on our minds on our beliefs and on our mindsets we will never ever be able to live a victorious life because he will manipulate your thoughts, he will manipulate your feelings, he will manipulate your emotions, and you, he, you will lose self-control through losing thought control. Amen? Your thoughts controls yourself. People who do not have self-control have a lack of thought control. And then he will fulfill his mandate, which he does. And we know and we look through the lens at John 10 verse 10, the first scripture of the day, that Jesus came that we may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance and have it to the full till it overflows. But we know the contrasting part in that scripture where it says the thief who is the devil comes only in order to steal, kill or destroy. So we need to know and understand that this all starts up here. Unless we can learn to control our minds and our mindsets, we will allow our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings to dominate us. And that's not a good thing. How many of you have made emotional decisions and made decisions out of fear? 
made wrong decisions in those areas. Doesn't work out, family. We need to learn and understand that we need to take back the control of our minds. We do not have to let our thoughts dominate us. Amen. So we built a platform over the last few uh, teachings. And today I want to teach you how to actually apply what you have learned. And we need to learn to unlearn all the junk that we've learned. We need to come to God as an open canvas and just push the reset button and start again because things are not working out how they should. Amen. We're not living that life that Christ died for. That enjoyable, wonderful, full, overflowing life. Amen. Amen. Family, we learned in part three that Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this. So powerful. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Wow. As you think, so are you. Think about that. Your thought life will define who you are. And the devil knows that. He knows that. Proverbs 4 verse 23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Wow. So your thought life will determine the level of the blessings that you will enjoy in this life. Right? Your thoughts frame or shape your lives. We live in boxes, boxes of unforgiveness, boxes of offense, boxes of guilt, boxes of unbelief, boxes of doubt. And that frames our life, family. Tell your neighbor, think out the box. Family, you need to understand this. Even if you have a strong prayer life, you might be praying for certain things. You might have your scriptures. You might have a strong prayer life. You might be believing for God in certain things. But unless your thoughts are lining up with your prayers, you will not have it. Amen? We have to get our thoughts to line up with our prayers. Amen? Say this, my thoughts limit what God can do in my life. That's what the scripture says. Say this, my thoughts will either usher in the blessings or hold them back. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. Let's look, let's get practical. Let's get practical. Let's have a look and see how you can essentially take back your minds and start to dominate your thoughts and step into what God has paid for through His very blood and love. But before we do that, we need to look at the foundational blocks. One of the most important, important aspects in your Christian life. If you don't get this, you ain't going to manage your Christian life at all. What I'm going to teach you now is one of, it, it is one of the most important foundational building blocks 
of your Christian life. This is James 1 verse 22 in the New Living Translation. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. You're only kidding yourself if you think that you can go to church all your life and just sit there and listen to the teachings and listen to the word and not do what the Bible says and think that you're going to get anything or anywhere. You're only fooling yourself. You're deceived. And unfortunately, this is one of the, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems facing the church of today. The Bible says in the last days, there's going to be people that are going to teach ear-tickling sermons. People just want to follow after the emotional and the wonderful teachings and just be on emotional high. But they're not equipped. They haven't got a clue on how to function in this world. They never grow, they never go anywhere, just on an emotional high. That lasts for a Sunday, Monday comes, guess what? Boom! Game over. That's not what Christ died for, family. That's not what Jesus died for. We read about 2 Timothy 3 verse 7 in the NIV. Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Wow! Wow! Always learning, always in church, always learning, but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Never really putting the word into practice, never really doing what it says. Fooled! Absolutely fooled! And the writer Paul is talking about the end times church. He's talking about this dispensation, this church. Go read the scriptures before that. It talks about in those last days, there will come people, they will betray their friends, they will be unloving, they will be unforgiving. They will reject the power of God. They are always learning, but never applying, coming to a knowledge of the truth. He's talking about the church family. And we can't be their church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Let's look at Matthew 7 verse 24. How many of you have heard the story about the wise man that built his house on the rock? Amen. And the foolish man that built his house on the sand. And we all think, wow, that means going to church, being a good Christian, reading your Bibles, building your house on the rock, right? You know I'm going to trick you guys. You guys are getting too clever now. eh? (laughs) Guys are getting too clever now. And that's partly true. But it's not what the scripture was saying. This is the words of Jesus Christ speaking to you. Those who have ears, listen. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, and what? Puts them into practice. practice. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house. How many of you have been experiencing that rain and those storms and the wind beating against your house? But yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
the same rain came down, the same streams rose, the same winds blew against that house, but it fell with a great, great crash. Wow. Jesus makes such emphasis on the fact that the difference between a wise builder and a foolish builder and he's talking about the same category of people Christians they received the same word right right they received the same word some of them put it into practice the other people had the same word but didn't put it into practice that's what Jesus is saying that's the difference between the wise and the foolish builder. The same storms came, family. The same storms of life came. But the determining factor and the one who stood and survived that storm was the Christian who put the word into practice. Say this. It's not the problems. Of life that will defeat me. It's me not doing the word of God. That will defeat me. Doing the word. Is my protection. My provision. My salvation. I must do the word. Can you see that it wasn't the storms that destroyed the house? Do you see that? The problem wasn't the problem. The storm didn't destroy the house. Your problem is not the problems. Tell your neighbor, your problem is not your problems. Jesus shared a parable and he said, if you guys don't get this parable, you're never going to understand the kingdom of God. And he spoke about where he said, you know, there's a, there's a man that sows seed and he throws some seed and then the birds come and eat the seed and he throws seed on the wayside and, and all of this. And after the, the disciples said, Lord said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And Jesus explains this in Matthew 13 verse 18 in the NIV. He said, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Jesus is speaking. Anyone, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom... And does not understand it. The evil one, Satan and demons, comes and snatches away the word that was sown in the heart. Wow. Wow. Jesus is saying, the seed that is sown is the word of God. The ground is your heart. He is saying that there's a category of people that when you are preaching the word... That word comes in the one ear and there's a devil pulling it out the other. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Then it says this, there's, then there's the other category. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone. He has the same word. You've got to get the same word. And at once receives it with joy. Praise Jesus. What an awesome message preached. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So there's a second category of people. They're not rooted. 
They're not rooted. They come to church on a Sunday and that, that living word of God starts to penetrate, get into their heart and it gets a little root in and they're like, whoa, wow, this is the truth. This is powerful. I recognize this. But yet they have no root. They have no relationship with the word. They're not allowing that root to actually get in. They're not watering it. They're not tending it. They're not taking care of it. Monday comes. Problems come. They forget about the word. And what happens? Quickly fall away. Then the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone here in the same word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Say this. Say, worrying cancels my faith. Making it unfruitful. No, you weren't supposed to say that. Thank you for your commitment. So what is this? What is this talking about? So this is another category of, of people. It's talking about the seed among all the thorns. All the thorns. All the thorns. All the issues of life. All the unforgiveness. All of the offense. All of the, the doubts. All of the worries. All of the issues in the heart. There is just so much, so much junk in there that even if the word gets in, the heart is just so full of thorns and worries. And the deceitfulness of wealth trying to chase after everything except for God. And that seed does not yield the crop. And then we get the last category. This is the same word of God. The same word of God. And that, those people who hear this, who understand it, they produce a crop yielding a hundred and some a sixty and some a thirty times what was sown. Can you see how important the word is to start? Can you see that the devil is paranoid for you to get the word in your heart? That he has even assigned his angels to steal that word. He's so paranoid that it might actually get in your heart. He's so paranoid that you might actually get a revelation. And then when the troubles come, why are the troubles coming? Because of the word. Because of the word. Yes. It's distractions. It's diversions. We are all focusing on the problems of life and we start taking our eyes off the Word. It's the Word that is our salvation. It is the Word that's going to rescue us. It's the Word that's going to pull us through. It's the Word that's going to prevent our houses from falling. And if we don't have the Word, we cannot do the Word and we are lost. Come on, speech. Amen. Amen. The devil wants you to get your eyes off the word of God, family. He wants you to look at the troubles of life. Just like Peter when he got out the boat and he's walking on water in the middle of a lake in a storm. No LEDs. Walking on water. Looking at Jesus. Doing the impossible. And what changes it? He starts to look at the storm. Amen. And what happens? He sinks. Took his eyes off Jesus. Say this, say my problems are not really my problems. They are diversions. The real problem is the theft of the word. So that I cannot do the word. 
Now, why would Satan do this? Why is he so paranoid about this word? Why is he trying to steal this word? Because you see, family, the scripture says, James 1 verse 6, that you cannot receive anything from God without faith. It says, let him ask in faith without doubting. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from God. Nothing. Tell your neighbor, nada. <laughs> Nothing without faith, family. You do that. It's a, it's a heavenly transaction. It's a spiritual law. It has to be through faith. So how do we get faith? What is faith? Romans 10 verse 17. Faith comes by hearing. And by hearing what? The word, the word of God. Is it have heard the word? Yep. Have heard the word on Sunday? Now I've got faith. No. Hearing Sunday. Hearing Monday. Hearing Tuesday. Hearing Wednesday. Hearing Thursday. Hearing Friday. Hearing Saturday. Morning, lunch and dinner. My daughter, we went fishing a while ago, and she decided that she's gonna she's gonna pray for to catch fish, and that was wonderful. And then the, the next the, the morning now we're going fishing. I said, Dad, I prayed, I prayed for the fish. We're gonna catch fish. I'm believing fish. We went and we were ready, and she's in faith, and we caught no fish, <laughs> nothing. Only thing she caught was seasickness, actually. It's the first time I've seen someone throw up through their nose. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> and so she said to me, hey, Dad, this faith thing don't work. And that really like, disturbed me a bit, you know. So I went to God. I said, Father, this, you have to help me. Yeah. How do I respond to her? What do I say? How do I tell her why her faith didn't work? And the Lord said to me, he said to me, son, people think it's magic. People treat faith like magic. They think that they can just occasionally wave the magic wand and expect everything to change. He said to me, son, does my word not say that the just will live by faith? How do you live? Just on a Sunday morning? He said, my just will live by faith. He said, son, you walk by faith and not by sight. You need to be walking in faith. You need to be living in faith. He said, faith is not magic. It is a lifestyle. Amen. So family, while we are busy trying to fix the problems, fix the issues, the devil is taking our only lifeline, our only solution, making it impossible for us to get through. And we saw the last portion of that scripture, Matthew 13 verse 23. Wow, that same word that went throughout all of those categories of people and even into different categories of producing by doing that same word. So family, that word can have different results. You can either sow destruction by not doing anything at all. You can either not receive anything at all. Or you can function in different levels of the word. Now what, let me ask you this question. 
what was the success or failure dependent upon? God? Ooh, now I'm scratching you guys up a little bit, yeah. Because so often we like, Lord, where are you? Lord, why? Why me? Why is this happening? Was God even in the picture? Or was he your little magic wand? Scripture says Jesus is your Lord. So do you get up in the morning and say, Lord, follow me. Bless this, bless this, bless that. Follow me, Lord. Follow, follow, follow. Or do we get up in the morning and say, Lord, lead me. I will follow. And we wonder why things go wrong. Family, the results are not dependent upon God. It's dependent upon you and me. Amen. So family, time for reflection. Time that we look at ourselves and get real with ourselves and judge ourselves. And we need to ask ourselves this question now. Because family, the storms of life are really beating. Really, really, really beating family. We need to ask ourselves, what are we? Are we the wise builder? When the storm comes, what comes out? What is our defense? Is it the word? Is it our shield of faith? When the storms come, what comes up? We need to ask ourselves these questions. We mustn't just listen to the word and not do it and fool yourself, family. We need to ask ourselves, is there even that word in us? What category are we? Are we the one that's rooted in? Are we the one that's going to walk out of here and say, Ach, die, oh, hey, weet nie, wat praat hy van? <laughs> Amen? Or are we the ones that are going to make a decision now and get a revelation that we need Christ now more than ever, family? More than ever, family. More than ever, family. And the thing is, the level of the word that you have in you the level of the revelation that you have of the scriptures. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I said that the, the revelation that you, the, the way that you know the scriptures, the time that you spend with the scriptures, the, 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 the knowing of the word depends is in proportion to your relationship with Jesus. If you don't know your word, if you're not spending time with your word, you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. You don't know him. And when you see him face to face one day, you don't want him to say those words where he said, depart from me, you. I never knew you. You don't want to be in that category, family. Because the word of God says, John 1 verse 1 in the Amplified, it says, in the beginning was the word Christ. And the word Christ was with God. And the word Christ was God. Verse 14, and the word Christ became flesh, human incarnate, tabernacle in flesh, living amongst us. Wow. 
Jesus is the living word of God. And so many people are trying to find Jesus, trying to find their purpose, trying to find this relationship. All you need to do is open up your Bible and open up your heart and come to know Christ. The scripture says, John 14 verse 21, those who accept my commandments, the word, and obey them, so important, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, the Father will love them, and I will love them, and I will reveal myself to them. Wow. Wow. He's right there, family. He's right there. Just dust it off and open it. Amen. Say this. Get a revelation of this. Obeying the Word is obeying direct instructions from Jesus. Disobeying the Word is disobeying direct instructions from Jesus. The Word of God is the voice of Jesus to His people. So let's look at some instructions of the Word as we come to land on how we can avoid and destroy these demonic strongholds that destroy so many people's lives. Because family, we are in a war. We have a real enemy who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's engaging in psychological warfare and a war for our minds and ultimately our souls. And we need to take back the control over our minds. How many of you can agree with that? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 in the NLT. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of what? What strongholds do we wage war against? Human reasoning. And to destroy false arguments. The NIV says it like this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, the Word of God. And we take captive every thought, making it obedient to Christ. Can you see that the war is not physical? Can you see that? Can you see it's psychological? Can you see it's mind games, mental warfare? You see family, because, and we see the stronghold of human reasoning, that is one of the greatest greatest enemies of your faith human reasoning trying to reason things out one of the greatest enemies of your faith false arguments what is a false argument anything that comes against the word of god and contradicts the word of god is a false argument romans 3 verse 4 in the nrv says let god be true 
and every human being a liar. Listen, if you are trusting and believing in the word in something and someone comes and says something contrary to that, even though it's a truth in comparative with the highest truth, which is the word of God, it is a lie. And if you try to reason it out and if you try to believe it and if you focus on it, you can lose the blessings that God has for you. Amen. Because I tell you, the word of God can change facts. The word of God can change facts. So family, let's go back to Proverbs 4 verse 23. So if we understand that our thoughts will frame our lives, will put boundaries on our lives and what God can do, we need to be careful on how we think. Amen? We need to think about what we are thinking about. Amen? We have to start to understand what shape is this thought going to provide in my life. We need to hold those thoughts captive. We need to ask ourselves the question, is this thought going to be beneficial for me towards the blessings? Or are these thoughts going to set me up for disaster? You see, family, you can be facing a circumstance. Maybe you're facing a, a deadline or something. And you might be facing that circumstance and you start having thoughts about this. And those thoughts towards this can either set you up by the time that you get to this, it's going to hit you like a freight train and run you over because you built such a foundation of faith in the problem. Or you can start to take those thoughts captive and purposefully start to believe, purposefully start to shape your life and shape your destiny through the right thoughts. So by the time that you get there, you are so filled with faith that God actually has something to work with. Because the word says, Mark 9 verse 23, anything is possible if a person believes. So what are you believing? What are you believing? Word. Word. But we need to ask ourselves these questions. What are we manifesting through our thoughts and our belief systems? What are we believing? Because anything's possible. Amen? The good, the bad, anything is possible. Family, many years ago, praise Jesus. Many years ago, I was diagnosed with an incurable kidney disease. Doctor's report said that I have this kidney disease, I'm in chronic renal failure, there's no treatment. The only thing that could have helped me was a kidney transplant or dialysis. There's three stages of this disease. The last stage, you're in your deathbed. Second stage is you're well on your way there, and I was in an advanced second stage. Now the truth was that Every doctor on this planet, if they had come together, the top physicians, we've got a million of the best doctors in the world, came together with all the best technology and equipment, they could never have helped me. At all. And I had a choice at this stage to either accept and look at the problems 
and believe those problems and allow those thoughts to shape my life or I could look at a much higher truth in 1 Peter 2 verse 24 that says that Jesus Christ himself bore our sins in his body on a cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness and by his wounds you have been healed and so I took hold of this truth I believed if I'm born again, which I am, filled with the Spirit of God, then I have been healed. And I held on to this higher truth. And even though the thoughts were bombarding in my brain, I kept holding those thoughts captive. Every time a thought came, I said, no, by the wounds of Jesus, I was healed. Although I had all the symptoms, family. Three days later, I went to my doctor. I said, doctor, test me. Doctor looked at me, he was a friend of mine, he said, Carl, aren't you being a little bit impatient? I said, Doctor, test me, I'm healed. But the enemy was telling me, you're going to make such a banana of yourself. But I was holding those thoughts captive and he tested me and I was completely, completely healed. Completely. And we've seen many miracles, family. Many, many, many miracles. Many, many miracles. And I could tell you many, but for, for time's sake. So what did I do? The storms of life were coming against me. The winds were blowing. The rain was beating against this house. But I done the word, family. I printed the word. I looked at the word. When the thoughts came, and they came, family. They came and I went to the Word. I said, what does the Word say? And I would read it and I would meditate on it and I would speak it. I would say, no, by the wounds of Jesus, I was healed. I am born again, therefore I am healed. And I would speak and prophesy the blessings of God. And I could tell you so many stories, family. But now we bring it to a close and we look quickly at Philippians 4 verse 6. And to summarize this, This is the word of God. This is God speaking to you. This is Jesus speaking to you. Do not be anxious about anything. Praise Jesus for this word. I'm so grateful for this word, family. I tell you what, I thank Jesus for this word. And when the problems of life come... I say, Father, you said I must not be anxious about anything. I'm not going to be disobedient to you. Therefore, I'm going to pass up this wonderful opportunity to be anxious. And I'm not going to do it. But then you have to apply the word. So what do you do? Don't be anxious about anything. That's not just a kuna matata thing. You know, you've got to do the word. So what do you do? But in every situation, by prayer and petition. What is petition? Like you petition the courts. It's an actual promise from the Bible. I petitioned with that promise. And then the peace that transcends all understanding where people see the storms are beating your house and things are falling and failing all around you, but you have this absolute peace that transcends all understanding. People look at this and they think, how is it possible that this person can be in peace? That will guard your hearts, guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Then it says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What is he saying? Think on purpose. Shape your life with wonderful thoughts. You cannot function in faith in worry. Amen. We have to hold those thoughts captive. Bring them in obedience to the word of God and make a point of thinking on wonderful things. When those anxious thoughts come, say, Father, you said I mustn't be anxious about anything. This is something that fits in anything. I'm making up my mind. I said it. I said, Lord, I make up my mind. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm giving this to you. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Amplified cost, cost all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties on him. Because he loves us. And then I purposefully think about holidays and all the wonderful things. Amen. Amen. I guard my heart and my mind. Amen. Are we going to do that, family? Are you going to do the word? Are you going to go out of here and understand that your victory lies in the word? Are you going to start to get rooted in the word? Living by faith. Amen. Reading your Bibles, listen to the past teachings. Grow, family. That is your salvation. That is your ark. When there is so much horrible things going around the world, God has prepared an ark for His children. The children of God, the devil is playing his last hand of destruction. But guess what? Isaiah 60 verse 1. The glory of God is here, family. Watch this space. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Let's give God a wonderful praise for His Word. Praise Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Almighty God, for your wonderful Word. Now, family, I need to just, before we close, I need to ask you this question. Are you right with God, family? If you had to die tonight, where would you go? If you had to face Jesus, are you confident that He would know you? Because we need to be real with ourselves, family. He's real, family. I remember as a 15-year drug addict, lost to the world, facing 30 years prison, criminal, done for. I started to cry out. I said, Jesus, if you are real, I've done everything, Lord. I've tried everything. I was nine written of car accidents. I was so lost. Nearly died so many times. And I started to say, Lord, if you are real, I need help. And I called and he answered, family. He is so faithful. He's so wonderful. And so are you right with God? You know, Scripture says Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was the church. The Bible says he was the church. He was a Jewish ruling council. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. He came to Jesus at night. He said, Lord, I'm a religious man, but something's different, yeah. Something's different, yeah. Maybe today you've experienced something different. Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, church, unless you are born again, you will not see heaven. Nicodemus said, Lord, what must I do? Crawl up my mother's womb? See, carnal mindset. 
reasoning. Must I crawl up my mother's womb and get born again? Jesus said, no, Nicodemus. Surely I tell you, church, surely you have to understand this. Unless you are born again, you will not see heaven. It's a spiritual thing. You get born by flesh, but you get born by spirit. It's even a technicality because Christ was the only one that went on behalf of mankind to God as the man. Man can only go through the gates of Jesus. There is no other way. It's not arrogance. It's spiritual law. And so I want you to just bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. Think about this now. Are you ready to face Jesus? If you're new tonight, I want you to get a revelation on this. If you got a headache, you went to the emergency room and they said, listen, you've got a brain aneurysm. You've literally got two hours to live. Two hours. Would you be ready to step into eternity? Would you be ready to step into eternity because you will never die? And it can happen like this. Eternity is your constant companion. Always by your side. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bear witness in your hearts if you are a child of God. The Holy Spirit will tell you. So what is He telling you now? So in a moment, not right now, in a moment I'm going to give you an invitation to pray with me. Because the Word says that Romans 10 verse 9, that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is your Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, meaning He is the Christ, He's not a prophet or a good man, He is the Christ, you will be saved. And you will be saved. So if that's you, listen to your heart. And then I'm going to ask you if maybe God is just speaking to your heart today. Even if you've been born again. But He's saying, child, I need you to respond. And I'm going to ask you in a moment, not right now, to raise your hands. And you might say, well... Pastor Cole, why must I raise my hand? Because Jesus said, unless you acknowledge me before men, I will not acknowledge you before my Father. Listen, if Jesus Christ could get nailed to a cross naked for you, the least you can do is raise your hand when nobody is looking around and say, Lord, here I am. Put your hands up, Jesus' name. Hands going up everywhere. Don't miss this opportunity, family. Don't miss this opportunity. Raise your hands. Put your hands up. Say, Jesus, here I am. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. You can put your hands down. Now I want you to pray this prayer, and I'd like everybody to pray this prayer. The Spirit of the living God, Almighty God, is here. I bind anything that will try to hinder or restrain the move of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. Now I want you to pray this prayer to God. Speak to Him. Say, Father, I hear you calling and I respond. I open up my heart 
to you Jesus and I invite you in I hear you calling me and today Jesus Christ I choose you as my Lord I make you my Lord I reject and renounce everything else I choose Jesus now touch me Lord show me that you are real fill me with your spirit change and transform me place your seal on my forehead now saying that I'm yours Please forgive me of all my sins and wash me now with that precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for every person here, Lord, that they will receive a touch from you, that they will walk out of this place knowing that you are God, God of love, God of power. And even though they might not know it, but you have brought them here, Father. Let them know that, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God, family. Thank you so much. There's uh, pamphlets on the side. Are they there, Tanya? Pamphlets are there, salvation pamphlets. Look, if you don't understand what just happened, go grab a pamphlet. There's a new birth certificate there. Take it home, fill it in, and read and get a revelation of this and let it become faith in your heart. Family, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. And I look forward to seeing you all next year. Amen. Amen. Amen.